This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. So good. Well, this morning we're continuing our series, Jesus First Every Day. And we're looking at practices that we can practice, disciplines that we can put into our lives every day to make sure that our Christianity isn't just a Sunday thing. To make sure that it's not dependent on the people on the stage to lead us, but that following Jesus day by day is something that we prioritize, that we invest in, that we put our, our focus on. And so that's what we're looking at over these, over these weeks. And we've begun to practice it, haven't we? We had um, our, our fat day of fasting this Thursday. And I know there were people who fasted and just really heard God and encountered God as they hungered and thirst for him. And so today, so far we've looked at worship, we've looked at studying the Bible. Last week we had our Bible study uh, on Sunday evening, which was incredible, opening up the Bible together, discovering the truth of God's Word, who He is together. Last week we heard about fasting, and today we're going to talk about prayer. Today we're going to talk about prayer, and I want to ask you this morning, if you were to finish this sentence, what would you say? Prayer is... dot, dot, dot. If you were to to finish this sentence, if you were to complete this phrase, prayer is, what is it that comes to mind? What is it that you would say? What are the phrases that come to mind? If you're bursting with an idea, you can turn to that person that you're glad to see and tell them if you want to. Prayer is. How would you complete that sentence? Prayer is. You know, there'll be so many different answers, won't there, in this room. Those of us who've just shared them or those in our minds. There'll be so many different answers, so many different sentences that we've just completed because prayer is so broad and, uh, and each of us will have a different experience and a different perspective on that. But this, this morning, I want to begin just focusing on the truth and the reality that prayer is the foundation of our relationship with God. That prayer is the foundation of our relationship with God because prayer is communication with God. You know, sometimes we overcomplicate it because maybe we, we put it in this like religious box. And so it's, it's something different and it's something other and I've got to do it in a specific way. But prayer is communication with God. It's talking with God. It's listening to God. And communication is the foundation of any relationship, isn't it? Communication, you'll know that if you have relationships, people you work with, perhaps someone you're married to, perhaps children, friends, family members. Communication is the foundation of relationship. And that's true of our relationship with God, that prayer, communicating with God, talking to God, listening to God is the foundation of our relationship with God. And yet sometimes, I don't know about you, but I wonder if we reduce it to something much smaller than it was ever meant to be. You know, I wonder sometimes if we approach prayer a bit like a, a visit to the supermarket, to like my community grocery basket. You know, I wonder if we, um, you know, some of you will have been at the community grocery, one of the two community, gro- community groceries this week. But I wonder if we sometimes approach prayer a bit like a, a trip to the supermarket. You know, I know what I need. I've written my list. 
I'll rush in. I'll rush round. I'll tick off my list and then I'm out of there. Thank you very much, God. You know, I wonder sometimes if we approach prayer a bit like a consumer transaction. I do something and in exchange, you do something for me. You know, I tap my debit card because I no longer remember my pin on the little machine and you, the checkout cashier, you let me walk out of this shop with these items. It's a transaction. It's a consumer transaction. I wonder sometimes if we approach God a bit like that. I'm here. I've asked for my things. And now your bit is to give me what I want, the way I want it, when I want it. Thank you, God. You know, I wonder sometimes if we are tempted to do that. But you see, the thing about a consumer transaction is that it leaves no room for relationship. Does it? A consumer transaction leaves no room for relationship. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and tell them the name of a cashier in your supermarket? Now, I know you're all saying something, but I'm pretty sure there's not many names. Put your hands up if you actually know the name of a... More than I thought. You just ruined my illustration. Thank you so much. But the truth remains. We are a friendly bunch, aren't we? We are a friendly bunch. Well done, you guys. But the truth is that a consumer transaction leaves no room for a relationship. And so if we've found ourselves at times reducing prayer to some consumer transaction, I do this, then you do that, then we've missed the heart We've missed God's heart. We've missed the bigger picture. We've missed the bigger invitation to relationship with God. Because that is what it is all about. It's the core. Prayer is the, the core. It's the essence, the foundation. It's the fuel. It's like the engine room of our relationship with God, which is what we were created for, isn't it? You know, sometimes... People spend a lot of time thinking and discussing and debating over the years. What are we here for? Why are we here? What's the reason that I was born? Why am I on the planet? Well, first and foremost, you're on the planet to have a relationship with your creator, God. It's all about relationship with him, to have relationship with him. And then out of that, to draw others into that relationship. And so prayer is so key. It's so fundamental. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. And throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus's relationship and intimacy with the Father. And one of the ways that is displayed is in moments like Mark 1, verse 35. Mark 1, verse 35, that says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place, where he prayed. I don't know about you, but sometimes life feels busy and there feels like there's quite a few demands. But I imagine if I did a like, comparison exercise between the busyness and the demands of my life and the busyness and the demands of Jesus's life, his would be bigger. And yet he found time, he made time, he prioritized time to withdraw from the busyness to spend time in prayer with the Father, to cultivate and develop and deepen that relationship with the Father. He withdrew to lean in. 
Later on in the Gospel of Mark, we see this, this poignant moment in the life of Jesus where he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's quite desperate. See, Jesus knows what is coming. He knows that, that his arrest is imminent. He knows that, that this is the day before he will be crucified on a Roman cross. And he calls out to God in that desperation. And he calls out, Abba, Father. He says, everything is possible for you. This declaration of faith. Take this cup from me. Jesus saying, I don't want to do this. Is there another way? I can't do this. But he begins by calling out in that moment of desperation, Abba, Father. And when I was... Um, Jasmine, our daughter, is on the screen, doing the screens today. And when I was talking to her and we were prepping them, she said, I thought you were going to talk about Abba for a minute there, Mum. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to sing. This is this, this kind of ancient word in the, in the original language. It says, Abba, Father. And I don't know about you, but when I think about the term Father, for me, it's quite a formal word. And again, this might not be your experience, but when I'm in a formal environment, I kind of feel like it creates a bit of a distance between me and other people. And, and like it kind of gets in the way of relationship. You know, when I go to a, a formal event, I spend most of the time thinking, I'm uncomfortable. These shoes are as comfortable, as, as uncomfortable as last time. Why did I forget? You know, and, and just feeling a bit on edge, like what's the etiquette that I don't know and everybody else knows in this formal environment in that moment where you look at the cutlery and you think I know there's a system I know there's a rule and I can't remember what it is which one am I meant to pick up at what time for what course and about halfway through the formal event I just can't stop thinking about my pajamas and my sofa and that's all I want no matter how nice the people are and then I get home and I'm like I actually ache because I've just kind of felt a little bit tense. Maybe you, maybe you function better at formal events than me. But my experience is that sometimes th when things are formal, it just creates a bit of a distance. But when, when Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, there's not a formality here. This word, Abba, in this word, Abba, Jesus, in the original language and culture, it was a term of tender endearment by a beloved child. It's in an affectionate and dependent relationship with their father. It might be translated as papa or daddy. As Jesus is in this moment, as Jesus is calling out to God, this is the word that he uses. Abba, papa, daddy. That dependence, that intimacy, that tender endearment of God the father. And it's just so beautiful. And when we think of the word daddy in our culture, you know, we often think, I, I certainly do, of young children. You know, they move on from dada and mama to daddy and mummy. And then before you know it, with no warning, you become dad and mum. And this seismic shift in who you are comes out of the blue. But I often think of daddy as, as perhaps, perhaps what a young child, how they might address their father. But in the, in, in the original culture, it was also a term that was used by the adult children. It was this term of endearment that was used by adults, fully grown adults, to address their fathers. And so it's a, it's a sign of intimacy, but it's not immaturity. We're saying relationship with God invites us into maturity of intimacy, of dependency, of vulnerability. 
And I just wonder sometimes when we approach God in prayer, if we think we're meant to have it all together. And we're me- I'm meant to know what's on my list. And I'm meant to have it all together and, and, and tell God what he needs to do. But Jesus' example is just crying out in the midst of his incredible challenge. I remember as a child, one Sunday afternoon, going on a walk with some families from church. And we were, we were out, in my memory, we were out in the hills. And there were a few kids that had a bike with them. And I didn't have a bike with me, but somehow there was a spare bike. Maybe someone had, had, had decided not to, not to use their bike for a, a while. And I was about six, and I was quite tall for a six-year-old. And I, I had to go on this bike, and it was a bit of a dodgy bike. And it was for about a three- or four-year-old. So looking back, it was a little bit of a recipe for disaster. But I remember the adults were a bit further back and the older kids, we'd kind of got along a plane of the hill and then the hill descended in a really, really steep hill of this kind of loose concrete with lots of um, really rough surface and lots of loose bits of stones and gravel. And um, I remember the kids, the big kids went ahead. So I thought, well, that's what I do. I just follow them. My tall six-year-old on a three to four-year-old dodgy bike, and I headed off down the hill. And the beginning was wonderful. That feeling when you ride down a hill and like the wind is in your face and like you're, you're on top of the world. It was great until it wasn't. Until something went wrong, I'm not totally sure what. Perhaps it just the, the, perhaps we just went too fast. Perhaps the bike couldn't cope. I'm not going to say it was user error. It wasn't me. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I hit a stone or something, but I just, as I was going forward, I no longer was going forward and I was going sideways. And I just, as, as, well, I was still going forward, but also going sideways. And I hit the floor and my knee took the brunt of the damage. And as I kind of skidded with my bare knees and my shorts, as I skidded across the open, uh, as the, the loose cement, the gravel, can you feel it? Can you feel it? It was horrible. My, my knee burst open. The blood was everywhere. The tears came. I'm on the floor. Now, what I did not do is stand up, brush myself off, wipe away the tears, walk up the hill to where the grown-ups were and say, Father, please may I have some medical attention. <laughs> that is what I did not do like most normal six-year-olds, I lay on the floor with the bike kind of entangled in me and I called and I screamed and I called for my dad to come and rescue me. And my dad came running down the hill with that like dad jog. I still remember it. And he picked me up in his arms, undeterred by the mess and the dust and the blood and the gravel and the tears and probably a little bit of drama, if I'm honest. And he walked me through the healing process. He got me to the hospital. He was there when they put the stitches in. He took time off work when I couldn't get go back to school because it was pretty epic. He took me to the hospital to get the stitches back out. That's the kind of relationship that Father God invites us into. That we see modeled by Jesus in the garden as he calls out, Abba, Father. I know that everything is possible for you, but 
but could this be taken from me? This utter dependency, this I haven't got it all together right now. I don't think I'm strong enough right now. I don't think I can do this. I don't have the answers, but I'm dependent on you. I'm honest, I'm vulnerable. I haven't got it all together, but God, I'm calling out, Father God, Abba Father, would you meet me? That's the prayer that Jesus, that's the kind of prayer that Jesus models for us. It's an invitation into that kind of relationship. And what I want us to do in the, the rest of our time together is just, just walk through a bit of a framework that we've been using as a church for a few years. We found really helpful when it comes to prayer. Because how do we pray? And I know sometimes I, we can feel like everybody else knows how to do this. And everyone else sounds good when they do that. And when I try and pray out loud in a group, I kind of have this like mind block. And then I think, oh, I'm just saying the same thing over and over. And now I'm panicking and I'm not quite sure where to go. Amen. You know, maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you felt like that. So how do we pray? How do we experience the breadth of prayer and avoid the, the trap or the temptation to just approach it like a consumer transaction? Well, we've been using this framework from the book, How to Pray by Pete Gregg. And so this might be familiar for some of you, but we're going to look again this morning. And this uses the word pray really helpfully, the words P-R-A-Y. That when we pray, we pause, we rejoice, we ask, and we yield, which means we say yes to God. So are you ready to have a little look? So first of all, we pause to tune in to God's presence. We pause before any, any list comes out, before any requests, we pause to tune in to God's presence. In Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. And as I've reflected on this verse, I've come to realize that these are not two unrelated instructions. These are not two totally different things, that these things are totally intertwined, that somehow it's in our stillness, it's in our pausing that we become more aware that God is God and I am not, that when we, then we push away the distractions, when we focus ourselves on who God is, that when we pause, it's like we're more tuned in to his presence. See, God is here God is alive. God is active. He's at work amongst us, isn't he? He's with us. He's here. The problem is we sometimes miss it because we're not tuned in. You know, like you might in the olden days. Remember when we'd tune a radio in? Maybe you still have one. We have a button on ours where you kind of flick, 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 flick through. But you know where you might just tune in because the, the, the frequency is there. It's ever present, but you need to tune in. That's what happens when we pause. We tune in to God's presence. A phrase I often say when using this framework is, as I enter prayer now, I pause to be still. And in some ways, I'm like telling myself, get on the right page here. I pause to be still, to breathe slowly, to recenter my scattered senses on the presence of God to kind of bring me back from thinking about this and kind of feeling something about that and this thing that's waiting for me to deal with, kind of bring me back from all of that and to focus on the presence of the God who's already here, 
the God who's already poured his spirit out. And that's what happens when we pause. We pause to tune in to God's presence. And then we rejoice. We rejoice because thankfulness is God's will for you. Because thankfulness is God's will for you. Let me read you these verses from 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. To rejoice always and to give thanks in all circumstances. Now the writer's doing one of those really difficult things where he uses very big statements like always, all circumstances. That's pretty challenging actually, isn't it? But just this beautiful idea that this is the will of God for you. Again, sometimes we might take season, have seasons in our life where we're asking God the question, what's your will for me? What's your will for this situation? And that's such a, a, a brilliant question because we want to follow God's leading, don't we? God, what is your will for me? If you're in one of those situations and you're waiting for the answer, you already have an answer to be thankful. To be thankful in all situations, in every opportunity. I remember a friend of mine that a few years ago, I would often pray with her. And it really, it, it, it struck me how she prayed. And it shaped the way that I pray. Because I am by nature a problem solver. So I am someone who really has to guard against falling into this trap of, hello God, here's the problems, here's what you need to do, and here's how you can do it, and, and here's a few extra tips, thank you very much, bye-bye. I don't know about anyone else, but I, that, that's a temptation I've got to guard against. But my friend, and sometimes we would be praying about some really big needs. And my friend would begin, and it was, thank you, God, for, and thank you, God, for, and thank you, God, and, and thank you. And I'm thinking, when are we getting to the needs? <laughs> and then I learned to pray. Then I learned to rejoice in all circumstances. And that, that rubbed off on me. So when I pray now, I'm, I'm mindful of the need, feeling the weight of the need, but I begin with, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And when you get on a roll, it's hard to stop. And when you really start to look, there is always something to be thankful for. And I know there will be people in this room, and some I'm mindful of and some that I'm not, who are going through incredible different, difficult situations. And I wonder if you bring that situation to mind, what can you be thankful for? Can you think of one thing that you can be thankful for? Or maybe two. Or maybe when you get going, three. And four. And maybe five. Rejoice. Because this is God's will for you. Because thankfulness is God's will for you. Or as I read on the jumper of one of our life kids recently, gratitude is the new attitude. Rejoice because thankfulness is God's will for you. And then we ask because God is powerful and attentive. We ask because God is powerful and attentive. You know, I began by saying that prayer is so much more than bringing a shopping list to God. Yes, it is. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. And yet asking, bringing our requests to God is an important part of prayer. So when I'm saying it's wider than that, I'm not saying it doesn't include that. And so there are times when we petition God, 
when we ask for, our, for him to move in our lives. And then there are times when we intercede for the needs of others. And so asking plays an important part because God is powerful and attentive. He is able to do the impossible. That was the word of Jesus, wasn't it? When he calls out in the garden, for everything is possible for you. You know, for me, I've come to the conclusion that God is able to do anything because my faith rests on the reality that Jesus was dead for three days and then he walked out of the tomb. And if that is what my God can do, which is the basis of my Christianity, which is the basis of my faith, then my God can do anything. And so we ask because God is powerful. He is able to do anything and he's attentive. He's attentive to our voice. He's attentive to our situation. He doesn't just see us as one kind of block. That's Life Church Lancashire and they're all the same. But he knows each and every one of us more than we know ourselves. And so we ask because God is powerful and attentive. Now, earlier this year, some of our youth team were at... Um, helping a, a, a national conference, working with some young people. And it's so beautiful. When they came back, they told us this report of a, of a young person who, at the beginning of the week, had scars that they'd had for a number of years from abuse that they'd, she'd, she'd suffered in younger years. And this, this, this young person was prayed for, and the scars disappeared. Because God is powerful, isn't he? Because God is powerful, and there is nothing that he cannot do. And it's up to God to choose what he does. And sometimes there's a bigger picture at work. And so we can't just expect that God will always answer our prayers the, the way that we expect him to. But God is powerful. Do you know what's really cool about that story? In that story, he wasn't prayed for. I didn't think this would be the bit that would get me. I'm going to get a reputation soon, I know. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the leaders that prayed for that girl. It was her peers. It was young people putting their faith into action, that God's powerful, that he can do anything, and seeing this absolute transformation, these physical scars, and all the emotional stuff that must go with that, washed away, because God is powerful, and he's attentive, and he sees us in our challenge, and he sees us in our weakness, and he's interested, and as Haley said this morning, he's with us in the midst of that, and so we pray, we ask, because God is powerful and attentive. May prayer be our first response. May prayer silence our anxiety. And then we yield. It's a bit of a funny word we don't, I don't use often. We yield, we say yes, to align ourselves with God's will. To align ourselves with God's will. And in that moment that we read earlier, in Mark 14, Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. You know, Jesus is wrestling. You know, he would, as a young boy, he would, have, he would have grown up seeing crucifixions happen outside the city because Rome liked to show their power on display. You know, they, didn't, they didn't hide their evil. They wanted, it was a statement. This is how it works. And this is what happens if you stand against us. And so as a young boy and as a teenager, he would have walked past crucified bodies. He would have walked past dead bodies hanging on crosses. And he knows that that is what awaits him the next day. As so he calls out to God, can this cup be taken from me? Is there another way? 
ultimately he finishes that sentence that we read here with, yet not my will, but what you will. He lays down his rights, his preference, his opinion, and says, not my will, but yours be done. And that's what happens in prayer when we say yes to God. We align ourselves with his will. We say, it's your will, it's your way. And that's the best thing that we can do. It's the safest place we can be. It's the best place we can be. I remember years ago, we used to, most days, have um, some birds that would fly over our house. And it always puzzled me that they, they flew in this really clever V shape, in like a formation of V. And I just thought, like, they're well organized, those birds. Like, they are clever. How do they do that? How do they know? And what I've come to learn, because I was intrigued, what I've come to learn is that this is intentional. It's not, it's not by accident. It's not just that it looks good. But what happens is that all the other birds align themselves with the lead bird. So they have a lead bird, and all the other birds align themselves with that. And so by doing that, they improve their efficiency because each bird rides on the uplift of the bird in front. And so as they do that, they get in line behind the lead bird. They align themselves. And in doing so, everybody moves forward faster with less energy. And it just, it just it makes me think of what it, what it means to say yes to God, your will, your way, which is the heart of Christianity, isn't it? That's what we're doing as Christians. We're saying, yeah, I get in line. I'm getting in line, I'm getting in my position and I'm following the leader and his name is Jesus. I'm aligning myself to his will. I'm saying your will, your way. And it's the safest place that we can be. It's the absolutely safest place we can be and it's the best place we can be. We're more efficient, so to speak. And that's where we thrive in what it means to be a Christian when we align ourselves, when we get in the tailwind of our leader, King Jesus. And so prayer, as we're considering this morning, prayer is the foundation of our relationship with God. And we can, it, it can be very simple. And if, it's, if you've kind of built it up as like, it's complicated and I don't know how to do it and everyone else seems to know how to do it in your mind, then why don't you walk through these simple steps, pause, to tune into God's presence. Think of some things you're thankful for, because this is God's will for you to be thankful, to show gratitude. Why don't you ask? Because God is powerful and attentive. Why don't you pray a simple prayer, yes to God, to align yourself with his will. And there are lots of places in in the life of our community where we pray together. So we pray together on a Sunday morning. You've seen that already. And so anyone who is here, you're welcome to fill in one one of our prayer and praise cards because we'd love to stand with you. But you know what? When we have those moments of prayer, it's not just for this person to pray. We all get to lift our voices, don't we? We all get to tune in. We all get to bring our requests and stand on behalf of others. And I would say, if you fill in a prayer request, write it in your diary to fill in a praise report. Because it's really easy to, to just be, oh, wow, God did that and move on. But we want to share. We want to celebrate what God has done.
But we pray together every week on a, on a Monday morning. We have our weekly prayer Zoom, 7.30 to 7.45 every morning, where we walk through this simple framework, P-R-A-Y. And if you'd like to join for that, you are very welcome. You can ask for the details at reception. And then as we've already heard today, next week, we've got our worship and prayer night and you are all invited. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website, lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our neighbours, our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus.